Attention-seeking behavior. With Casey Costa. Da -da 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 -da. All right. Thanks, Nathan, for coming. We're going. This is going. It. This is yeah, live. this is it. We just go right on in. We're hot. We're All hot. Right. Um, so Sioux Falls Country Inn just got to experience your first St. Patrick's Day parade here. Yeah, uh, <laughs> who thought it was a good idea to get fucking drunks a parade? I mean, Jesus, goddamn Christ! The town is divided by a river with very few crossing points. So, in all Einstein behavior, the city said, "Hey, I got an idea." You already have enough problem getting from one side of the city to the other, so let's just block that off even more with a fucking parade. And the funny thing, too, about this parade is it's literally on two streets. So it goes it goes south on Main, and then it comes up on Phillips. So it comes north on Phillips. So it goes all the way down and then curves around, and it comes right back up. And it it's not like a normal parade. It, these parades literally last about half an hour yeah it's fast in. but still fucking leave a bridge open i mean if you have a river <laughs> leave at least one goddamn access point for people trying to get back to their hotel that have no clue what's going on so. <laughs> yeah that's sioux falls that's sioux falls so uh my guest today is uh nathan timmel very funny comic from uh iowa city right that's where you live yeah. now um but out of los angeles all that we'll get to that in a little bit but uh, you're the first person I've ever actually had to like introduce, introduce, because we usually just jump right on into it, um, just kind of have our fun little conversation. It's not too often that we, I travel with this stuff, but um, uh, one of the first things I want to talk to you about is the Avengers All and right. Endgame, because you saw Infinity War like 90 times this summer. I think six, but either way. <laughs> and I'm going to, I already made plans, I don't, because the tickets haven't gone on sale yet, but what I did yeah. with, uh, with Infinity War was I got tickets to 9 a.m. that I was going to go with my wife, and I figured, all right, I'm good. But at the last minute on Thursday night, I went, fuck, I got to see it tonight. <laughs> so I went to an 11 p.m. showing, and 11, 12, 1, got home about 2, 2.30, mm -hmm. went to bed at 3, and then got up and saw it like first thing Friday morning, and it was the best decision I've ever made in my life. I mean, really? Some people talk about having kids and getting married. And <laughs> Seeing the Avengers back to back, best decision I ever made in my life. And I'm going to do that with Endgame. I'm going to see it Thursday night and Friday morning, and then I don't know about Saturday night, but I did that too because my fake, right, right. My fake dad came to visit uh, <laughs> my mom and fake dad. And after spending all day Saturday doing nothing, you know, with thumbs mm -hmm. up butt, I said, do you want to go see Avengers? And he's like, yeah, let's get the fuck out of the house. So <laughs> I ended up seeing it on Saturday. So I saw it three days in a row. And I really wanted to go see it on Sunday just to, you know, yeah, complete that like every day of the weekend. But then I didn't. But then I ended up seeing it like three more times. Just where, the last time I had I'd seen a film six times was uh, The Dark Knight. That was the last time where. Oh, really? I, I just I, I had to keep seeing it. That's awesome because yeah, I'm doing I'm almost doing the same thing that you are. Uh, my brother-in-law, his girlfriend, and my wife are gonna go on Thursday night as soon as tickets go on sale. I'm I'm getting those things, getting the best fucking seats. You know, I got you got to reserve seats now at a movie theater. Which is, Most movie theaters, the one I go to oh. does not have that. So okay, I play the game of uh, I go to the 11 p.m. or midnight on yeah. Thursday because it burns off a little of the 7 p.m. Right, right, diehards, yeah. and it makes I'm it just gonna, a little more tolerable. I'm gonna be the 7 p.m. diehard. 
Yeah. Right. Well, if you've got a reserved seat, I would do that. But yeah. Uh, in in there are two theaters. There's Cedar Rapids to the north, mm-hmm. and Coral and Coralville doesn't have it. Cedar Rapids has reserved seats, so I'm gonna go reserved seats on Friday, awesome. but on Thursday probably not. Awesome. And, and then on Friday, so we're gonna go see that 7 p.m. show, and then Friday, I've already told the kids. I said as soon as school's over, and as soon as I pick you up, we're going right to the theater, and we're gonna go see uh, Endgame. And they're like, but you saw it the night before. I went, yeah, that's okay. We're going to go see Endgame. <laughs> we're we're going to do it back to back. Because uh, last year, um, I was going to take Infinity uh, War Day off. And I, I, all of a sudden, my schedule just kept getting packed. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I can't take it off. Right. And uh, raced to the theater at 530 because I'm like, this place is going to be fucking packed. We were one of six people in the theater at the 530 showing. And then as soon as we walked out, there was just mass hysteria in the lobby. It was like, oh, this is where they all are. We, we made it out good. We had right. a good showing. So we're going to kind of do the same thing. But my, my wife's not going to see it a second time. I'm going to see it a second time. I think I'm going to see this one a ton because I'm a comic book nerd. I don't, I don't know about you. I know that you know, you've seen those and I was following you last year with it. And I was like, Jesus Christ, Emma, what are you doing? How many times is this now? Do you, did you grow up with comic books or follow them or? Before I answer that, I do want to say one thing: is that uh, my daughter was homesick with the flu all last week. Yeah. And since I'm uh, daddy daycare, I was home with her. Uh-huh. And I think it was on Wednesday. Um, she's six years old. Oh, the trailer. Yeah. Uh, well, it wasn't that so much as we were just home, and she said, "I want to watch Avengers because it's on mm-hmm. Netflix, and she knows that, and she's seen it before. She she's." She uh, likes the, the first one best because Loki, she knows he's the bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah either way. So, uh, is he, though? <laughs> um, yeah. Long and the short of it is we're watching it, and she said, are we going to see the sequel in the theater? And I said, do you want to see the sequel in the theater? And she said, yes. I'm like, all right. And so I texted my wife and said, uh, our six-year-old daughter wants to see uh, Avengers in the theater. Should we just uh, bring along the four-year-old son and make it a family movie? And she's like, um, Maybe. <laughs> so I think it's going to happen too. I think we're going to do the same thing, which is have you seen the runtime for it? Three hours. Three that's, hours. That's Holy the thing shit. that yeah. uh, might hold me back on that. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll just take my daughter, but they can focus during movies. When I remember the we, we took them to their first movie was oh fuck trolls, which is just an awful awful piece of shit. <laughs> I hate that fucking. Movie. I my wife took us to go see it. Um, I, I think I was in Yankton doing shows with you, yeah. and they went to the Dollar Theater to see it. Hmm. And um, uh, I, I came back, and my wife's like, "You're gonna love it. You're going to love it." <laughs> and I went, "All right." And because I did not want to see it, I, right. I thought the same thing that it was gonna be awful. And I, I, I actually kind of enjoyed it. There's one part in there though, and it's Ron Funches, and he's like, "I think I had a sarcasm once," and I went. Fuck, that's it. I'm like, that's the line. That does it for me. I laughed so hard during that part. I like kids' movies. I just, mm-hmm. I, not that one. That one, I just, <laughs> but I, I sacrificed for it. I yeah. we saw it on a re release um, when oh, okay. Marcus Theaters does a $5 yep. family night yep. or something like that. So, yeah, I took them. Uh, getting all the way back to your question, a comic book nerd, back in the day I was. Okay. I uh, collected the X Men from awesome. probably 78 to. 88 or 89 okay and then it's they 
by then they had started branching out too much with uh, the uncanny ultimate yes and things exactly. of that and yeah, then I just yeah. I'm like you know for a, for a little while I tried to keep up like oh new title I gotta get this mm -hmm. and then I realized you know what fuck these people and their marketing <laughs> and by then they changed uh, writers and mm -hmm. uh, artists to my like I have all of the and classic, that was the resurgence of, of the comic books right the comic books at that time. I have all of the classic Claremont uh, John Byrne oh uh, really everything but, but once they sort of drifted apart and mm -hmm. moved on, I, I moved on myself. It just got a little silly. So, uh, but at least you're going into these the new MCU films. Going, I know where I know the source material. Right. And you're right. like, okay, that didn't happen. That character was actually Silver Surfer. But I don't worry about it. You don't. Like, yeah, right, right. Days of Future Past was such an iconic uh, uh, X Men. Right. And they changed it so much for the movie. Because it's Kitty Pride that goes back in time. They just took the title, <laughs> and you know what? I don't care. Right. You know what? They did it fine. They 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 they, it's, it's, they, they took the title, and that's about it. Mm -hmm. um, but I I'm not a nitpicker. I don't okay. you know pick apart like ooh no that's wrong that's bad. Right right. I don't do, do it. Well, I do the same. Fine. I don't I don't pick apart those. I like my wife will go oh how did it happen in the comics? And I'm like well this is it and. She enjoyed uh, Infinity War so much that she wanted to read the Infinity Gauntlet series. So I found it in a paperback, the, the entire uh, you know saga. And so I'm like, here you go, read it. And she's like, but this character wasn't in it. And she's yeah. like, who's this? I was like, okay, all right. So I go, I think what they're going to be doing with, with Endgame is setting the bigger stage for, I, I think we're going to be on phase four in the MCU, yeah. right? Um, with Galactus. I think that the... I. I Quote me on this. I think the the tag at the end of the at the end of Endgame is going to be introducing Galactus, and so every other film after this is going to tie into uh, stopping Galactus after the next twenty two movies. <laughs> well, I mean they uh, they did just get the rights to Fantastic Four, so yep, yep. that's where he next is. Uh, that's his um, domain. That's his yeah. domain. That's his home base. Is it's always been Galactus and Fantastic Four. So yeah, that would so, make sense. DC or Marvel. Um, I mean, uh, movies, it's a no-brainer. DC. DC movies have just been nothing but <laughs> shit. It's like they didn't even try. The, the, they turned that over to Zack Snyder so quickly. And if you read any of the interviews with him, mm -hmm. he was saying things like, oh, you know, what could make Bruce Wayne into Batman? What if he got raped in prison? And you're like, oh, my good Lord. No, like, yeah, hold on, I wait a minute. Film that. Is that a real thing? That That's he... a quote. He said, like, maybe Bruce Wayne got raped in prison. I'd like to show that. I'd like to show him becoming Batman. And I remember... Oh, instead, he raped us by giving us Ben Affleck as Batman. Ben Affleck <laughs> was fine as Batman. Really? Ben okay. Affleck was the only good thing about Batman versus Superman. That movie was just an abortion. And oh. here's where I knew Zack Snyder was going to be just awful, mm -hmm. is... I read an interview. Um, Watchmen was coming out, mm -hmm. um, which is an okay film. Maybe watchable, but I didn't like it. But <laughs> the point is, it came out. Mm, oh, someone uh, get a computer. It was either Batman Begins or Dark Knight. Um, he he said that yeah, Chris Nolan made an okay Batman film, but if you want a real comic book movie, you've got to see Watchmen. And when I read that, I'm like, "Wow, that's 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 a really borderline confident slash cocky." Right. And then it comes out, and you're like, "No, you you can't stack your movie up against Chris Nolan's Batman and say right. that you came out on top. You can't poo-poo his film and say, yeah, yeah, he did fine.' But wait till you see what I've got in store. 
you better have the best goddamn movie in your back pocket, and he just didn't. And then the places he took Superman, and it just awful, awful filmmaker. Yeah, I, I, all of this is coming back because this is, I think, one of the very first conversations that you and I have ever had uh, when we went back, when we go all the way back to uh, introducing rookies and and uh, having you there and headlining there. Um, have you seen Captain Marvel yet? Yeah, I saw that uh, on this past Tuesday. Okay. Um, it was nice. Uh, I did have an advance ticket for that. Uh, I bought it because it's $5 Tuesday. Yep. And I was not excited enough to go see it over the weekend. <laughs> the, the, the trailer made it look like a female uh, Green Lantern. It and did. The first one yep, did, didn't it? It did not, it did not excite me at all. Mm-hmm. I said, I trust Marvel. But I just can't get into this, uh, so I bought a ticket for five dollar Tuesday, and then my daughter was sick, and I told my wife, I'm like, I, can you come home? I mean, it's just five dollars, but I'm like, I've been trapped with this Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right. Monday, and she I said, need to get out. Yes, and so she came <laughs> home, and I went to see it, and several of my friends complained about it and said this is the worst thing. It's, some, a couple of them said, you know, it's like Ant Man, it's watchable, but it doesn't really move the needle at all. Okay. And so I went in with low expectations and not liking the trailer, and I absolutely enjoyed the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed it. I I could pick it apart if I wanted to. The things I did not enjoy were the fact that at the end, uh, she seems way too powerful. I mean, there was no sense of uh, there was no uh, yeah, there was no sense of urgency. Right, she there just smashes no, through the yeah. spaceship, and it's like okay, she's just too powerful. Yeah. So that's questionable. Um, but as a whole, I really enjoyed the film. But the thing the is that stakes I, weren't there. Right. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. The thing that I absolutely hated about the film was uh, Nick Fury's eye with the cat. And spoiler <laughs> alert! It's just the way they tried to shoehorn that in. Like, uh, oh, it's a cat scratch, and he treated it so casually. How's your eye? Oh, it's fine. No. You'd be at the fucking hospital. I don't care how much of a badass you are. If you get yeah. your eye clawed at, you'd be like, uh, there's something wrong here. I can't see." And so right. that was stupid. But overall, I really enjoyed the film. I really enjoyed Brie. Uh, I'm looking forward so to... So you, you enjoyed Brie's performance. Yes. And I did I was not. skeptical going in. I had only seen her in one thing, and that was... Uh, uh, Scott Pilgrim. No. Uh, I've never seen that. <laughs> oh, you've got to see Scott Pilgrim. That's God, good. the fuck? <laughs> in my head, I'm saying Donkey Kong, but that's not right. King oh, Kong. Oh, King Kong. Skull so, Island. Yeah, yeah. And that was just bad start to finish. Um, <laughs> you know what? I I went into that one with low expectations. I was like, that was just a dumb, fun movie. Yeah, but I, I, I went in with zero expectations, and I walked out saying, that didn't even meet zero for me. And so the the thing with Brie is that was the only thing I'd seen her in, because mm-hmm. I didn't realize she played Abed's girlfriend in Community. Otherwise, I would have... Wait, did she? I, I guess she did. Get Someone pointed out it out here. to me. So I'm like, okay, she deserves massive props for that, because Community was one of the best shows ever. Yes. Um, Fuck. I so, guess I so don't even remember that. I, it, in Kong Skull Island, I'm watching her going, well, she's a block of wood. She can't act. She's horrible. That's how I felt in Captain Marvel. Well, but see, the thing with uh, Kong is I'm like, not only is she bad, Tom Hiddleston, John Goodman, and Sam Jackson are bad. If you make a movie where John Goodman is bad, 
that says something about your skills as a director. You are a bad director. So I I, I went, okay, I'm not going to judge Brie on this performance because it was bad, but the movie was bad and, and John Goodman was bad. And Tom, you, you can't say that, well, she's a bad actor. And I really enjoyed the shit out of her in Captain Marvel. That's so I'm awesome. Like, all right, forgiven for, for Kong, Skull Island. That's all on the director. And, and you know that... That that's my argument is that I I thought it started off slow for me, and I think Captain maybe, Marvel or yeah Kong? Captain Marvel oh Kong Island uh, Kong Island started slow yeah. and then um, uh, but like I said I walked out of Kong we we got it like on HBO or something and you know the kids wanted to watch it I was like eh, whatever I went well that was just dumb fun I'm like it was just a monster movie like it was. I haven't seen Rampage yet, but I would expect it's Rampage. On, it's on HBO yeah, now. I would expect Rampage to be just as dumb as Kong Skull Island. But hopefully The Rock, who is the most charming motherfucker on the planet, <laughs> will make Rampage watchable. Because right, he is yeah. just, you, you look at him like, God damn it, you are charismatic. He made he made uh, Jumanji good. Didn't see it yet. Yeah, oh, so it, that... Low expectations. Yeah. I mean, because I, I think us as comics, we do look up to Robin Williams, you know, rest in yeah, peace. absolutely. Um, it, you know, I, I look back and I go, uh, Jim Carrey and Robin Williams were the two that I went, that's me. That's who I want to be. And, you know, I try to give that same amount of energy, you know, on stage or just even if it's my personality um, that the kids really wanted to see whatever the new Jumanji whatever the tag is for it and then uh, we we saw it and we all kind of sat there afterwards and went okay that wasn't a bad sequel that was actually really good is I that like, on any pay service yet um it's on HBO I, I'm sure yeah I'm sure you can get it anywhere uh, it's not on Netflix or anything I'll have to like watch that, it because that was I had nothing against that I'm like, it's not it just, bad uh, nothing made me want to go see it in the theater it's one of those ones where I said I'll wait till HBO. Yeah, that, that, that was the same thing. That's how I look at those films. Not like, why are they doing this? I enjoyed Jack Black in that movie, and Jack Black is a, a guy that if I see a, a, there's a Jack Black movie, I'm like, mm, I don't know, am I gonna get like yelly, screamy yeah, Jack Black, yeah. or am I gonna get subdued, you know, envy or um, be kind, rewind Jack Black, right? And high fidelity of, Jack, Black. high fidelity Jack Black, and I kind of got a little bit uh, of both. But he was enjoyable as a, as his oh, character. So good. I mean, he. he uh, Do you see Gulliver's Travels? That was bad. I mean, just it's one of those movies <laughs> where you watch it and you think, how did no studio executive watch the dailies and pull the plug and say, before we get two twenty million into this, let's just end it right here? Right. There was right. no point to that. It, people were high on Jason Segel and and all of that fun stuff at that time too. So. There's a scene in that movie in Gulliver's Travels. I can't remember what it was, but I. I remember thinking as I'm watching it going, they couldn't think of anything to do here. So the director literally went, hey, Jack, do that thing you do. And they just let the cameras roll. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the only way because he's just doing that. Nah, I'm Jack Black. You right. know, like, exactly. and, and I just, I, I, I'm like, was there nothing in the script? You just said, uh, riff, riff for five minutes. And then you left it in the film because... Great action! Yeah, there was, there was no... That's all I remember from that entire film was there was a moment where I said they had nothing in the script, so they said vamp. And so they just let Jack be Jack. And that, yeah, that film was a disaster. Of have you seen Bohemian Rhapsody? I have not, and I feel horrible. Because you haven't seen it. Yes, because I got all excited when I saw the first trailer. I got like, oh my God, this is going to be the best movie ever. Yeah. And then... 
all the critics started shitting on it. Yeah. And generally, you ignore the critics, but yep. if they're universal, you're yep. like, okay, they, this is a consensus that it's not yep. a good movie. So I took a pass, and then I started hearing from people I know that, like, no, no, it's a great movie. It's a lot of fun. The critics just wanted it to be some artsy-fartsy ex- exploration of his homosexuality. Yeah. And all they did was make a film for the fans. It and was I'm a like, by-the-numbers yeah. docudrama. And that was that the was reviews. It. They said, by the numbers. And fuck it. If it's enjoyable, then I'll like it because I don't need an artsy-fartsy Music's sort of fantastic. Like, yeah, Rami see? Malek deserved the Oscar for portraying um, Freddie Mercury is what I'll say. Um, th- some of the writing was really, really bad. Like, there's what? a... I did see a thing online. Uh, some, did it did it win or did it get nominated for best? It editing? got nominated for uh, best picture for best editing. Um, sound editing. So, I know that because someone like, they said it was either nominated for best editing or it won. But they, they they showed a clip. They said really best editing, and they showed a clip of uh, of the movie, and the editing is fucking so awful. It's distracting, <laughs> and I'm like, wow. If the whole film is like this, then I would have a problem watching it. I think it was best sound editing and best sound mixing it okay. one and I was like I go how hard is it to push play you know <laughs> like that's kind of how I felt like I don't think it deserved that I don't think it deserved a best picture not it's really honestly a fun okay by the, like I said yeah. by the numbers you know you're like okay they take a lot of liberties with the story you know but Brian May and, and Roger Taylor both, well, they were on they, set they so were if they took set. liberties you're kind of getting the okay to like this is fine yep you know? yep and uh the a lot of the writing is just kind of like really hokey and cheesy like there's a part in I'm not spoiling anything because we all know how Queen you know (laughs) what happened to Queen Uh, there's a part where Freddie comes in and they just fire their manager and uh, or Freddie just fired the manager and Roger and Freddie are just yelling at each other and then Deacon picks up his bass and he starts going and he plays that about five or six times while Roger and Freddie are yelling at each other and then Freddie stops, turns to Deacon, and goes, that's a pretty sick riff. Does it have any lyrics? And I went, oh, my God. I laughed out loud in the fucking theater. I right. went, I've seen porn <laughs> that had better lines right. than that. It reminded me of that. If you've seen that um, uh, a clip of a, uh, of a porno uh, where the guy is, like, in his bathtub and this lifeguard comes by and she's like, get out of the water. There's sharks in there. And he's like, there's no sharks in here. It's a bathtub. Like, that's what it reminded me right. of. That's how bad some of the writing is in that movie. But other than that, I but mean, still. it's fun. The music's great. Yeah. The the recreation of Live Aid is phenomenal. I mean... That's the other reason I didn't see it, is because I heard that the last 20 minutes is a recreation of Live yes. Aid, and I'm like, I can fucking I see the see, actual yeah. concert on YouTube. I can see Queen yep. <laughs> perform at Live Aid on YouTube. Why would I need 20 minutes of a recreation of a concert? That yeah. also made me go... I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, it, it's about a tenth of the movie, you know. Yeah. So it, it's uh, it's good. I recommend it. All right. So. Well, because of my fuck up there, I will probably go see Rocket Man unless that gets <laughs> eviscerated. <laughs> unless they say this is the worst movie ever, I will make up. I will atone for my uh, my Bohemian Rhapsody sin when we by see, going to see Rocket Man. When we saw Captain Marvel and the Rocket Man preview came by, my wife looked at me and she goes. What is this like the year of the music documentary? What's next, Kanye West? I went. Well, actually, <laughs> there is no. There's no Kanye West movie. Dear God, there's no Kanye West. Movie. Kanye West uh, <laughs> in film or television peaked with uh, Gay Fish. So, 
Oh yes, the South Park episode. South Park episode. <laughs> what I am, I am nervously looking forward to, and I, I my, my, I, I'm getting tense in the chest. I'm so nervous. The Dirt is the best book ever written. Okay. It is. I was an English major in college, and this book is better than Shakespeare. Beats the fuck out of the Bible. It. Uh, Whatever popular book is out there, The Dirt is better than that book. The Dirt is hands down the best book ever written. Mm -hmm. And when I heard Netflix got the rights to it, I'm like, good, Netflix can do it right. Uh, because the one thing you don't want to do is turn this into a two-hour movie. Because it had been, right. since what, 2002 they've been trying to turn this into a movie? I don't know. This is the first time hearing about it. It's been around forever. And so, you know, 2002, three something, four, I don't know. Uh, until now, trying to turn it into a movie, I'm like, okay, rumor is Netflix is going to turn it into a three or six part miniseries. Oh, awesome. That's what this needs. And now it's coming out as a two hour movie. And I'm oh. like, God damn it, you can't turn this book into two hours. So I really want it to be good, but I'm also just so nervous that why would you, you you're Netflix, you have all the money in the world, mm -hmm. make it a three hour, you know, one hour is, you know, like six hours. I, I'm I'm very nervous. It's, it's <laughs> so good. What do you mean this is the first you're hearing about? I I've never heard of the dirt. I know. Oh Jesus, goddamn Christ! I know. Okay, so uh, all right, look, I I look up to you. Don't uh, look up to me. <laughs> because it's the you Motley taught me a lot. Oh oh, okay. Yes, I have I have uh, uh, I've seen the preview for that, and I went. Eh. Oh the it's see again, and that the. I saw the preview and I'm, I'm I'm crossed fingers hopeful, but I'm worried that I'm going to be let down because. But it is the best book. Doesn't it come ever. out like in May or something? No, it's out this month at some point. Maybe next Get the week. Fuck out. Yeah, maybe yeah. next week. Um, so here's here just for anybody that listens to this and for you, just uh, six uh, people, um, <laughs> and 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 five of them are my family. The Dirt is the story of Motley Crue, okay. written through a ghostwriter who interviewed all of them. And they, they do rotating chapters. Mm -hmm. And so you're hearing a chapter from Vince's perspective, then Tommy, then Nikki, and it rotates, and Mick, and they keep going round and round. And what you realize as you're reading very explicitly is that they read each other's chapters as they're writing the book. And this was written at a point where, where Motley Crue was broken up and they weren't talking to one another. And mm -hmm. that's how it finishes. The book ends with um, Motley Crue is still all, for all intents and purposes, broken up. Right. Um, so at one point, uh, you have a Vince chapter who said, yeah, back then in the early days, I wasn't getting along with Tommy. I didn't want to hang out with him because, well, I was fucking his wife on the side and I felt kind of guilty about that. Uh -huh. Because apparently he was married to a stripper before he married Heather Locklear and then Pam Anderson. So there was this stripper named Honey. And so Vince is like, yeah, I was fucking Honey on the side and I felt guilty. Then you get to Nikki and Nikki says... Okay, well, full disclosure, I was fucking Tommy's girlfriend or his wife on the side, and I felt kind of guilty, so I felt like I could talk to her. <laughs> then you get to Tommy's chapter, and Tommy said, Well, I just read that Vince and Nikki were fucking my wife. I mean, and the whole thing is like that. <laughs> it is the most brutally honest, beautiful book you will ever read. I cannot recommend it enough. Okay. I don't know how they're going to capture it in film in two hours. It is just fantastic. You know, now... I. <laughs> Now that you mention all of that, one, I w I'll read that book. You should. It, it so sounds good. absolutely amazing. And two, uh, none of the previews that I've seen for it showcase anything like that. I no. think it's going to be another by the numbers. Yeah. This is how Motley Crue came to be Motley Crue. 
So and that's what's wor- what worries me is because it, it, it's so much because the way you're describing it, you could turn that into a really good fucking movie yeah. by having each like chapter, you know, one boom, and it's all Nikki's side and, and whatnot, yeah. and chapter two, you know, you have a, a three four per a three four arc in the film, which would be really interesting. And so let's see if they do it. But my hopes are <laughs> I you're, I'm going to go right to you. After it's released, to get to before before even watching it. So, um, you recently uh, went to Disney World. I did. Kids. Was that your first time? First or? time, probably not last. Uh, had uh, it was fine. It's one of those things where <laughs> I guess it gets built up. Like I'm going to Disney World, uh-huh. and the kids are gonna love it, and everything's great. It was fine. I didn't hate it. I didn't have any, you know, like oh my god, the lines are so long, and this sucks, and this is bad. It's Disney a, World. What do you? Expect, it's a theme right? park. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's like any other theme park in the world. It's a little bigger, but it's not really. Um, it because um, we did two days. We did one at World and one at Hollywood Studios. Hollywood Studios was nicer because it's smaller and you could get mm-hmm. you could do everything. Whereas World, you probably need two days just to do World. Magic Kingdom, right? Yeah, or, Magic okay, Kingdom. Okay. Sorry, yeah. You're no, right. that's all right. I'm uh, right. We go all the time. So okay, yeah. so you've been there multiple times. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think in the last. Five years we've been four times Ooh, so right. twice with uh, three times with me and the wife by ourselves and then once with the kids okay so you know that one's weird to me I don't think the wife and I would ever just go do that uh, it's it's pretty my f- wife's a, a big Disney nerd and okay um, but what do you do you know what uh, the when we went the first time we went to Disney World for an entire week and so we hit Magic Kingdom Animal Kingdom Hollywood Studios and Epcot and then also did Universal Studios so my wife loves Disney everything to do with Disney you know she's got a sleeve of like the, uh, all the princesses but like the little symbols for them like the glass slipper the you know and whatnot and uh, when we were at Magic Kingdom, uh, we wanted to we rode the rides, but we also soaked it in because we had, at that time our kids were three and four, and we we're going okay. When do we bring our kids? What do we want them to experience first? You know, uh, when are they going to appreciate the magic here? And so uh, we said, all right, it, it's got to be a character meet and greet. Like the first time that we're here, we have to see as many characters as possible because they love these characters. And my, you know, my oldest is infatuated with Peter Pan, like to the point where we call Peter Pan her boyfriend. You know, <laughs> and and my kids are uh, just a little older than yours. My um, daughter's boyfriend is uh, Captain America. Oh, lucky! She's so I would have him come over to the house. She just. <laughs> I mean, she <laughs> lost it. The instant Chris Evans hit the screen, she was just sort of like transfixed. She <laughs> loves Chris they Evans. They opened up, the mm-hmm. just comes out, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so we did that. Um, Epcot is great for adults. It's great because you can travel the world. I mean, you can stop at, at um, you know, uh, they've got like 14 countries uh, all over the world, and um I said the first time that we were there, we went during the Food and Wine Festival. So you got to have like little delicacies from London, delicacies from China, and, and drinks from China. I don't think things. London has any delicacies. <laughs> yeah, no. Britain's uh, not known no, for its cuisine. You're right. Uh, I'll, I, I said I am going to have a drink around the world. And I think I made it to about Italy, which is just a little over halfway through before you start coming around again. 
uh, before I went, I can't drink anymore. I'm drunk at <laughs> Disney World right now. And, uh, so we like enjoyed that, um, you know, learning about the different cultures and things like that. Animal Kingdom is just a big giant zoo with, with rides. Um, but yeah, that would be fine. I think we should do that next time. Animal Kingdom is really cool because you get, I felt like you can get a lot closer to the animals than, you know, if you just went to your, your zoo in, in your hometown or whatnot, or your, the big zoo in your state. Um, but it, go as go as adults. I mean, go for I'm two or three skeptical. days, and that's fine. That's fine. Um, I I always recommend. See, I can't see doing so. it without kids. Like when my but, wife and I went on vacation last year, we went to Sandusky, Ohio. Mm-hmm. We went to uh, Robert Sandusky. No, whatever the <laughs> Cedar Point. Yeah. I mean, just the roller coasters. It's like no kids, all adult roller coasters. We could skip all the little mm-hmm. rides. Mm-hmm. I mean, because so, that was fun for us. Like just. Going on roller coaster after roller coaster after roller coaster. That to me was that was our adult. Did vacation. you guys do Universal at all? Mm-hmm. Universal no. because we we did that and like five years ago, um, we went to Harry Potter World and I suffer from anxiety. Like I, I hate close spaces. Like if there's a lot of people, I will start to like have a panic attack, being like, if something goes down, we're not getting out. <laughs> like that's me. I'm like, where's the exits? Nothing's clearly marked in here. So we did Harry Potter World or the Wizarding World or whatever it was. And we just were there about four weeks ago. And we went early and we got to spend three or four hours in the Wizarding World. And I was like, this is fun. And then as soon as it started to get packed, I went, this is no longer fun. <laughs> Let's get our shit and go to the other side of the park where nobody's there. And, you know, it's 15 minutes to ride a ride. Yeah. You know, and so, like, that was fun. Um, Universal's. I would not bring my kids until they're maybe like 10, 11, 12. Yeah. You know, but um, did your kid, what, what was the biggest point for your, your kids to do? What was, what did Hillary and Truman want like, I, when they were there? Oh, I have no idea. Cause they're just, I mean, they're six and four. So I think everything was okay. the only thing that stands out in my mind is uh, going back to what you said a little while ago. They did not care about meeting fucking anything. <laughs> we would walk by the meet and greets and the lines were all just like yeah. 30 minutes. And we mm-hmm. got one that was 20 minutes and you could see Goofy right there. And then they started wandering off. They're like, I'm bored. Let's go. I'm like, you don't want to meet Goofy? They're like, nope. Like, all right. You know, so <laughs> the only uh, person that uh, we met, and that was just Truman, is we just happened to be uh, uh, meeting my mom and fake dad at Hollywood Studios and Donald Duck was just doing an impromptu up right. front, just, you know, get in the hop in a five-minute line, and before it got too busy, Truman, just his jaw dropped. He's like, that's Donald Duck. And so I have a couple pictures of him, and he's just looking sheepish, like, I'm holding Donald Duck's hand, or <laughs> wing, or whatever, you know, like, yeah. so he got to meet Donald Duck, and he was really excited by that, but no one else, just, they, they did not care. You want to go to see, I kind of wanted to go in and see Monsters, Inc., and the line was perpetually thirty minutes, and I'm like, "That's the not bad." The last floor, or the just the, just the characters. The characters, oh, really? Mike and uh, and oh, that's cool. Wazowski and Sully. Did you do the the Laugh Factory ride or attraction? I don't think so. So, as a comic, you would appreciate it because that's my favorite thing to do at Magic Is that Kingdom. In Studios? No, it's at Magic Kingdom. Oh, and it's over in Tomorrowland. It. And it's called the uh, the last. Oh, yeah. We missed it because it ah. got too late. Uh, what happened was we said, okay, let's do this, this, and this, and we missed the last showing. Ah. We 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 meant to go to that, and when we went back, that was it was closed for the night. Oh, that stinks. Cause yeah. it's it's good. You, you sit, I heard in like 150 people. You all sit down at at on benches, and then 
Mike Wazowski comes up on the screen and somebody's voicing Mike Wazowski and then he brings up three comics and they're all monsters and they're trying to fill the gauge like in the movie when they find out yeah. laughter can really do it. And uh, they all tell just stupid, cheesy, corny, Disney-fied jokes and yeah. uh, some of them tell stories and then a camera will go on like a person in the crowd like they'll make fun of that guy and I'll say this guy right on the screen and so anytime they would go yeah but nobody smells as bad as that guy he'll come back up on the screen or um, they're like okay you're gonna play Sully and so they're like anytime we say Sully's doing something you do that action so when Abby and I went uh, I got to play Sully because uh, I'm wearing this you know tank top it's super fucking hot and uh, I've got no hair, and all my hair is like literally on my beard. I had like a six inch long beard. And they're like, This guy's Sully. And I'm like, Okay. And they're like, Sully looks perplexed. I'm like, I don't know. And I'm like, That was the best time because one, I went, They have real stand up comics actually in the back telling jokes and telling stories and voicing these characters. So right. I learned about this afterwards. I came home and I went, I want to find everything there is to know about the Laugh Factory because I want to work there when I retire. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, the next time you're there, check it out. The, right. the laugh, or the Laugh Floor, Laugh, Fac I, laugh Factory, I'm just used to. I think it's the Laugh Floor, but... That was my daughter's that. claim to fame. Uh, we did the Star Wars ride in Hollywood Studios. Okay. Where you're blasted into space. Yep, yep. Uh, at the beginning, they say... We think that we have a rebel. Uh, oh no! On the and, it ship. Was Hillary. and it was Hillary. And so we'd be like, "Look at the screen! It's you!" And she's like, "That's me! What am I doing on the screen?" Like, yeah, she was the she was the rebel infiltrator. Oh no! And you're like, "Shit, we can't bring you." Um, so uh, I want to I want to talk about your kids because you have a very interesting story. Um, I do. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, this is news to me. I just I think the in vitro. You know that how you had Hillary. Oh, I think that's, well, that's both of them were in vitro. Right, right. Yeah. Um, I just I think that's different. That's unique, and I, I think that's something that a lot more uh, individuals are looking at now. And uh, I have a friend who he and his wife are are, are trying to get pregnant, and uh, just can't figure out what's going on. I'm like, hey, you know what? Uh, listen to Nathan Timmel. I. I sent him uh links to your comedy albums i'm like listen i go he tells a good story about you know him and his wife having to go through in vitro uh just listen i'm like it doesn't hurt you know check this out i go maybe it'll make you feel better you know won't, won't make you feel like less of a man because you can't get your wife pregnant or anything like that so you know uh, tell me you know your thought process about going through all that i didn't have any thought process you did no i had zero <laughs> I, life just happens. I don't think right. about any of it. So I, uh, is why I make for a bad interviewee because no. you have this, this built up like, oh, he's going to talk, talk about, about this experience. <laughs> I'm like, I have no fucking insider clue what happened. It just turns out I have bad spermazole. <laughs> no, and if there's anything that I want people to get out of this, and this is why I say I look up to you in the comedy world. Stop um, I know, I know you tell me that, but I can't because uh, you're so true and so real one to yourself and, and to your comedy, but also to your life uh, that I went, that makes a lot of sense. I go, he's living it the way that he wants. He doesn't make up excuses. He's not, he's not going to bullshit an answer just for a good story. He's going to tell you the truth and uh, it's going to be real and the emotions are going to be real true emotions it's not going to be some um you know made for tv movie you know uh laugh and made for tv movie sadness uh, so when you say i don't have any insight on it 
Yeah. That's real. It's great. And that's fine. That's fine. I mean, do you remember, though, uh, you know, uh, at least going, well, did you feel like less of a guy? No, you I know? didn't give a fuck. I, uh, just like, oh. To me, it made sense. I never wanted, <laughs> I never wanted kids, so I just sperm picked up on that. They're like, don't worry. The only, the, never, <laughs> They're like, we got you. <laughs> yeah. I never did this joke on stage because I never thought it was funny enough, but it was sort of like... Uh, you're telling me I didn't need to wear condoms all those times? You know, one night stands, <laughs> goddamn it. And then I'm, I'm also herpes free, so I suppose that's good that I wear condoms. But, oh, I don't feel like less of a man. I just, mm-hmm. fuck it. I didn't. The one thing I will say about it is uh, apparently you are correct that when I was on stage talking about it, I, when, when I was going through it with my wife, when, when I would talk about fertility and infertility mm-hmm. and the problems we were having, I got approached a lot after shows mm-hmm. by people that said they were going through the same thing and that they invested $70,000 and never got anything out of it or they you know, invested all this money and finally got their kid. But people were really nice and supportive when I would say, like, hey, we're trying in vitro fertilization because we can't get pregnant. It's, it's out there. There are a lot of people going through what your friend is going through. Yeah, you know, and, and, I, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate hearing that. Um, that story alone um, is not just a reminder to me, but it, it also, uh, again, confirms what I've been saying is that why I look up to you is because it's been so real. Like, um, what we did a show last year, it was, and I said, this is going to be one big long story, Nathan. I'm going to try my best to tie it into a big long story. And I, I, I'm still trying to work on that, and it, it's not where it is. But I start off saying that uh, I'm an awkward person, and I like to make things uncomfortable. My wife and I are going through marriage counseling, and uh, at one point our counselor or therapist asked me, what would uh, little Casey be proud of big Casey for today? And without missing a beat, I said, big Casey's big old dick, you know? <laughs> like, it's just, like, boom, and that immediately ended our session, you know? Right. And so then I go right on into, you know, building up to how we got to, to therapy and whatnot. So, uh, it, that it's an impossible question to answer. The instant yeah. I ask it, I'm like, hey, what would my kid think of me? Or my, uh, the young me think, I can't fucking answer it. Like that. <laughs> That's why therapy is stupid. You know, and uh, I appreciated it. I learned a lot about myself in it. And, oh, I and, did too. I went through therapy yeah. uh, for two years and age 28 to 30 so i i shit on it right here no of course uh, we can joke about it it's well to me okay so when i was searching for a therapist Mm -hmm. i uh finally took a recommendation from a friend and uh and got a therapist that i liked but while i was searching i met like three that i just could not stand one Mm -hmm. was uh so do you need pills do you need prescription okay fuck off Another one was like, you know, like, ooh, a shiny object. If you're sad, do you think you should go shopping? Fuck off. <laughs> and then the third kind would be the one you just mentioned, like, let's talk about you. You know, mm-hmm. like, let's not. You know, I mean, I, it, so I had to find someone that was just willing to talk and listen and listen and right, talk and, right. and, like, analyze. And and uh, the thing I got out of therapy, this is what I will remember, is uh, that your emotions are legitimate mm-hmm. and whatever you're feeling, feel it. That's it. Like, mm-hmm. if you're feeling sad, go, oh, oh, you know what? I'm feeling sad right now. I guess I will feel sad for a little while, and then I will no longer feel sad. Right. Oh, I'm angry right now. I guess I'm going to be a- Never, you know, like, I'm sad. I should try and change this. I'm angry. I should try. You know, don't take your emotions out on others. Mm-hmm. 
but acknowledge what you're feeling and then allow it to flow through you and pass. Mm-hmm. Just you know, and that's what I liked about my therapy. Is. Uh, you know, and there there's something to say about that because I, I mean, um, we as comedians follow comedy, um, follow that comedy world, and, and we just lost a, a great comic in Stephen Brody Stevens. You know, yeah. and, and you just say, hey, we we should feel that, and you know. Sometimes when we feel those things, you know, and we want to fix it. I, I think um, I know me as a man. It's like I'm a fixer. I'm like if there's a problem, I need to fix it. And I got to do whatever. But therapy also taught me how to. Just, you have to let it go. Sometimes you're not going to be able to fix everything. You have to let it go. But you know, share those. Uh, if you're upset, share those with your wife. Don't just bottle it in. Yeah. If you're sad, share that with your wife. And so, you know, that was a lot of the things that I learned on it. And so for other comics who may be feeling depressed or, or go through these types of emotions, I mean, do you, is there anything that you would say to that kind of thing? No. <laughs> no, I'm not a qualified. There's okay. no way I could say anything. No, but I will say right. that Brody was a special circumstance because... I, God, I, that came out of nowhere. No, it didn't. Really? Um, no, because I, the he times, was, at The time he I met was, him, he was just... He's a great person. I, yeah. I knew him a little bit. He, I, I would never say that we were friends. He right, right, right. I was, but I knew him a little bit when I lived there. But this was 2001 to 2007 mm-hmm. when I moved to Iowa. So I was there six years. And uh, uh, 2002, I don't know. The long and the short of it is he was an underground hero back then. Mm-hmm. Back then. Say, say 2007. Uh, forget the other years I just mentioned. But say in 2007, he was already... Brody Stevens to many comics. I mean, mm-hmm. I adored him. Like, I, like again, I would say he would have no clue who I was. But like, like oh, it's that Tim guy, you know. But he wouldn't. The long <laughs> and the short of it is, imagine being at that level. Yeah. This underground hero. Mm-hmm. It's 2019. You've been doing this for over a decade, where everybody you know loves you. Yeah. And you just can't break through. And you watch other people break through that got in line after you and skipped to the front. I mean. It, to me, it was not a surprise. It took a really? toll. It wasn't as surprising as Richard Jenny. Richard Jenny is like, oh my God, the mask. I'm with Jim Carrey. And then Jim Carrey becomes the next big thing. I mean, it's never enough. It, it, mm-hmm. that, that's the one thing maybe if you want advice is accept your lot in life. I have to. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when I lived in L.A., the thing that used to, oh, just, it got under my skin. It hurt and made me angry. There were three people, and I used to know their names. And I, I don't know their names anymore. I have no clue who they are. But I remember at the time... Yeah, fuck those three people. No, not no, fuck them. It wasn't, what I'm saying is there were three people that started doing comedy after I did. Mm-hmm. And they all got on Comedy Central and then quit doing comedy. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they, 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 they started doing comedy. They had five or six good minutes. They got uh, premium, premium blend. blend. Yes, so they got their six-minute slot. And then they thought they were going to be stars, and the, the world was going to be opened up to them, but they were just a cog in a, in a machine, just like, all right, there's yep. your slot, moving on, get out of the way. And they couldn't handle that. They, they achieved everything they wanted too quickly, and were ready for more, but they had nothing, mm-hmm. to. and they all quit. One became a uh, uh, teacher? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Again, I used to know their name, and I'm still plugging away. I'm still a fucking nobody. I'm still a nobody. I know why Brody Stevens killed himself. I can't say that with certainty, but it's like, right, I've right. been there. I've been staring out into the abyss of my life going, you know, if I didn't have my wife and kids, I don't know that I'd be here. 
Right. They're my tether. They're right. my grounding. I don't know what Brody had or didn't have. Right. I just know that it must have been. I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in his shoes, and that's improper, and I mm-hmm. shouldn't do it. But to be at that level where everybody loves you, and yet the, the powers that be don't pluck you and say, hey, here you go. Right. And, and again, to watch everybody advance further than you did and still stuck in that spot where we look up to Brody Stevens. We looked up and we're like, right. holy shit, it was Brody. He was great. He would do this. He would do this. He would... But to be in that spot, we're like, yeah, but what about my HBO special? What about my... And he was in fucking movies. You right. know, he got bit parts in movies. Yeah. Maybe he wanted... I don't know. Maybe he wanted to be a leading man. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he had his own aspirations of making a, a swingers type film like John Favreau did that would break Brody. I don't know. So when I say I know what killed him, I'm speaking out of my ass. Right, but right. I, 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 I have an idea of what it's like to be trapped in that loop of, I know I'm good. Everybody tells me I'm good. What the fuck is wrong with the producers and directors and everybody that... It's just fucking tragic and sad. Yeah. Although I will say this, that I guess uh, the quote was he had just gone off his anxiety or depression meds because he mm-hmm. thought they stifled him creative, his creative uh, side. And that's pretty sad right there as to think that he went off his meds and then a couple of days later just overwhelmed right it's just fucking tragic yeah any way it, you look at it um ever been medicated when when you were going through therapy or anything no, like that no, no never no, like I that fight that shit good and, for you and then what i found out well i'm i'm my my wife is on anti-depression mm-hmm. meds it's a matter of to me it was never chemical it was just shit that was going on in my mm-hmm. head so if if oh. you have a chemical imbalance medication is absolutely the way to go but if you're just trying to figure shit out on your own, mm-hmm. fight it and figure it out on your own. Don't don't medicate. You got to deal with it clear-headed, and that's what I had to do. Really? I, okay. I wow. A whole fucking. I used to make a joke, not on stage, but I, it's a truth that I don't remember my childhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always a joke, like I have no fucking clue of my childhood. Well, it turns out it's because it was all repressed. Like uh, <laughs> I didn't know that, uh, but it turns out that I've just buried fucking everything. Right. And uh, yeah, and then therapy got me to deal with that, and it's like, oh, that's why I'm constantly depressed and mm-hmm. angry and a misanthrope. It's because um, I mentioned that on stage last night. Yeah, I was going to. I've incorporated it up. into my act finally. Is, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, something that that where now I'm uh, able to talk about it on stage in a way that's humorous, like. Uh, mm-hmm. We were poor white trash, and my mom and dad fought, and I was an accident. And you know, that's well, fine. You it's it's not just it. humorous; it's also real. Yeah. You know, it, it's. Um, it, I, I don't know if yeah, I'm sure you picked up on it because while I was while I was listening to it, I was intently listening because a lot of what you were saying, I was like, "Oh, that's me. I I, I felt that way. I I know that. You know, um, you know. I've never had you know." my mom or, or, or my dad uh, ever say to me that, hey, you know, whenever, you know, your dad or your mom yells at me and I get sad, the only thing that cheers me up is you making me laugh. I've never had anything like that, you know. Um, uh, I get a lot of those compliments now from family. Like, no, you're really funny. You do have a talent. You are, you've got the gift. It's special, um, you know, and, and it means a lot now. Uh, but I know that moving a lot you know uh my parents were divorced they yelled at each other all the time the thing that i would love to do is just i don't want to be the sad kid i want to be the the funny kid i want to be i want to be that person i want people to look at me and go oh if i'm feeling sad casey's gonna be able to make me laugh you know even if they didn't indirectly tell me that or 
directly tell me that, not indirectly. Uh, even if they didn't directly tell me that, it's um, I always feel that it's my purpose that if I see anybody down, that I need to go and, and put a smile on their face because I know what it's like to you know, be down on yourself or just be down in the world, no matter what it is, you know, death in the family or anything like that. Like, I tell my mom that I feel like I ruined my grandfather's funeral because I was me. My coping mechanism is humor. Yeah. You know, and uh, we were at his wake and my aunt brought her coworkers. Her coworkers came to pay their respects to my grandfather. And I decided, you know, these people are, are you know, making my aunt cry because they're bringing up you know all these memories hey your dad was a great guy blah 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 and i was just like hey wouldn't it have been nice if like they brought a dog into the nursing home before he died <laughs> you know like you know how dogs and pets make people feel better you know right before they pass i'm like i don't want you to bring a dog when i'm about to die bring a monkey like fuck that that would be awesome right having a monkey jump in and just all this ball of energy be like i used to have that right. <laughs> beep like, that would be great. That was what I was doing. And I'm like, I'm walking away later. I was like, well, I kind of pretty much ruined my grandfather's funeral. Yeah. You know, but. You gotta ruin something. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you, you you brought up your wife, Lydia, a couple of different times. Sure. Um, and stretch as we talk. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you had written a post uh, a couple years ago about um, your wife being the breadwinner and being on a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. You, can you tell us a little bit about that? Because that, that's an interesting thing. Um, almost um, being on television. Almost being on television. Right. That's right. I forgot. Well, I, I just written this. Uh, um, one of my buddies asked. I, I don't remember the full story because it happened to me. If it happened to me, it, it goes away. Like, <laughs> when I talk about my. I got it. My memory of. Uh, being repressed, and now it's just that was just habitual. Like mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I repressed my childhood because it was bad. Like okay, I can't think about that, and now it's just commonplace. Where you know, if if it happened the day later, like hmm? you know, like people will huh? reference things <laughs> I've written or done, or like Man, I got no clue I did that. Right. And uh, so what happened was someone asked me, uh, he said like I take it your wife makes more than you do, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm like, well that's not a question. Like, okay, does your wife make more That's than you? That's the statement. Like, yes, that is the question, and she does. Yes, my wife is the primary breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Uh, between us, we do okay. Um, right. Uh, not this weekend. Uh, we do okay <laughs> unless people fucking come out to the show, because uh, this is a door deal. Um, anyway, uh, so I wrote a blog post, and it ended up on the Huffington Post, I think, right, or somewhere. Right. And so this... Uh, talk show T.D. Jakes who's like a snake oil salesman I guess okay um, he's very popular he's a minister like uh, Tyler Perry loves him you know he's this big uh, see the guy out in Charlotte or something and just bought his wife like that $360,000 Lambo not him but it's it's pretty much him it's the same it's not him but it's the <laughs> They're same all the guy. same right it's, it's a Jerry Falwell like you know like, yeah it was so I had never heard of him but okay. he's, he's this uh, big megachurch preacher and they decided to give him his own talk show. And of they, they, they did. contacted us and said, hey, we want to fly you to Los Angeles to talk about female breadwinners. And I'm like, all right. And they um, asked uh, a couple of questions like you did with my sperm. They said, do you feel like less right, of a man? Right. Do you feel emasculated? I'm like, no. And they're like, really? I'm like, I don't tie my income to who I am as a person. Right. You know, like it doesn't. And so they, it was funny because we went through all these pre-interviews on the mm-hmm. phone. They, they just... 
kept talking and calling and talking and calling <laughs> and we get flown to LA and uh, we, we get there and we get put up in a nice hotel we get taken to the show and we, we sit down with the producers and they talk us through mm-hmm. our, there's our segments uh, we've got three women who are the primary breadwinners of this one wrote about blah 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 and but first we're bringing out this uh, spicy Latina woman that was on The Apprentice because she's going to talk about her new book right and what happened Being a was, woman breadwinner by spicy Latina. No, woman. no. it was uh, it was uh, your side hustle. Right. Is what it was, it was like get your side hustle on, and so and that's why we have too much of that uh, Avon makeup, shit. right? And so they, TD just loved talking to her, and it was like this awkward. I'm sitting in the front row, like. Like, should I smile just so I look good? Because I really hate what I'm hearing, and I don't want them to cut to the camera, and I'm sitting there looking like an asshole, so mm, I'm trying to smile. Because she was just saying, like, you all need to get your uh, your side hustle on, you know? You should go through your closet and, and sell those clothes. Make your own money. And I'm sitting there going, <laughs> so you're saying buy new, sell used? That's, that's how you're going to make your money is to sell your own clothes? At, so basically starting an online garage sale is you, your side hustle. It was just stupid. And, and she, the audience was cheering and they got so wrapped up that they cut our segment. They just kept her on again. And then they brought my wife out at the end and they asked me one question. But uh, we were supposed to have this panel with this T.D. Jakes guy. Right. But they cut it so they could talk to spicy Latina woman from The Apprentice. And it was funny because it was so contrived and over the top right. and the audience cheering that I, I, I'm looking at the audience going, these are paid extras because we're looking at young white people in the audience and this is a black African-American minister. Right. Like, this is not the... And so <clears throat> I, at one point, someone had to come down and sit next to me because the person next to me went up on stage. And so I said, extras casting or central casting? Like, yeah, you too? I'm like, no. And then uh, so... Yeah, he was a paid extra. They're all seat fillers. And then I uh, get in the van to uh, get taken back to the hotel, and I ask the driver, you know, the, the production guy, I'm like, hey, is this all uh, paid extras? He's like, oh, yeah, this thing's going under. There's no one watching. And sure as shit, it was canceled. It wasn't renewed for an next season. But it was like just this disaster of a – and to me, the only thing that was – I don't want to say bad about it because mm-hmm. I expected – I told my – I'd lived in L.A. I knew right. all of these stories. And I told her, like, don't expect anything to happen. This will all go south. And right. sure as shit, when it all got cut, I'm like, see, you just got to prepare for it. You know, we got flown out. They gave us a food budget. You know, we didn't make any money, but it was right. like, we got a couple day vacation and a free yeah. airplane. And so um, uh, when it was all over and they went, well, did you have fun? And I'm like, sure, why not? You had us, you paid to fly us out here to sit in an audience, you know? And they're like, good, yeah, things got away from us. Okay, so anyway, I'm like, yeah, things got away from you. All you had to do was like cut spicy Latina woman who's just spewing nonsense about side hustle. Right. But whatever. I don't care. I'm not going to get angry about it. It was just dumb. That's... It was just, it was just silly that they, they wait. And that's, that's why they went under like no, the, the show was not compelling. No one was watching and they didn't know how to budget. You're going to fly people across the country and put them up in a hotel just not to use them. How many times did you do that? Probably a lot. Yeah. And that is why there's atheism. No, uh, <laughs> Well, it's it's really interesting, and um, I I love your take on it um, because I'm I'm going to keep going back to this because it's real, it's raw, and you know how's it raw? It's well, just who cares? That's it, not but raw. That's the thing that's is apathy. that people don't people don't think that way. I mean, we go out there, and if we were to walk around and say, "Hey, how would you? Hey, sir, how would you feel about your wife making more money than you?" What do you think the answer is going to be ninety percent of the time? 
I got a small penis and that hurts. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, it, it's refreshing to have answers like that. It, it's refreshing to have answers and go, I know, I know why he, he, he killed himself. I, I, or, you know, not saying that you wear yeah, really yeah. do, but it, it's refreshing to have and say, I can, I've been out there. I know this experience, you know, if I didn't have my wife and kids, maybe I'm not here right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a, so, I don't want to say a certainty, but I'm pretty right. sure that uh, if I was still in L.A. grinding away and because mm-hmm. I saw those guys, I saw the guys that had been there 15 years and hadn't hit. And mm-hmm. a lot of them, you saw them, you're like, OK, there's a reason you didn't hit. But then you saw guys <laughs> that just they're there. It has nothing to do with talent. L- L.A. Mm-hmm. has nothing to do with talent. It's about rubbing elbows. Mm-hmm. It's I. How can I put this without? I read Whitney Cummings' book, mm-hmm. and it was fine. There was nothing wrong with it, uh, but it really skipped over her career. It, okay. like, it was about her emotions, I guess. I don't remember, but I just know she she made a couple points like, oh, so I started doing comedy, and then I was the first woman to tour the Middle East, and then I got a show. And then I, I was like, and she said, oh, I, I like this, so I submitted, and the manager, my manager said, it's like, yeah, but how did you get a manager? I was there right. six years, and no manager gave a fuck about me. You know, it's all about relationships and rubbing elbows, and then someone says, "Hey, you should take this on as a client," and 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 so it's it's. I did it wrong. It's my fault. When I was in LA, I would go to the shows, I would do my time, and I'd go home. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you need to do is you need to hang out, and you need to be a part of a group, and you need to hang out at the improv all night. You need to hang out at the, the comedy store all night, mm-hmm. and just make friends, and just keep doing that. Mm-hmm. That's literally what it is, and I didn't do that. That's my fault. It's on me. Um, where was I going with this? I have no, idea. <laughs> no uh, uh, holding yourself accountable for your actions. You I know, suppose, um, yeah, yeah. Um, but but it was worth it, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, if I uh, um, people say if you could go back in time and change one part of your life and do it over and do it right, what would you do? I'm like, I wouldn't do a fucking thing different mm-hmm. because I ended up here and this isn't so bad. I right. do one thing different: the butterfly effect. I don't meet my wife. We don't have our kids. Right. You know, like. What are you going to do? You just keep moving forward. You learn mm-hmm. as you go. You say, I won't do that again. You can't. You don't say, I would go back and change that. You say, I won't do that again. Mm-hmm. That's what you learn. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Um, as we start to wrap up, uh, I want to talk to you about the books to your kids. Hey, buddy. Um, and uh, it's okay to talk to animals. Sure. Uh, tell me about it. So these are books that you've uh, Hey, Buddy is to Truman. And yep. then It's Okay to Talk to Animals is to Hillary. Yep. Um, I've read It's Okay to Talk to Animals. I, I, I like that. I think one of the first times I met you, because um, uh, I Beckett was just born shortly. Um, Samuel L., the playwright? Yeah, Samuel L. Beckett. <laughs> Um, Beckett was, I, I think, maybe about a year year old, and mm-hmm. I went, "Oh, uh, I really like this comic. I'm going to read that book, um, and uh, I, maybe I'm going to learn from it." And uh, yeah, and instead, I did. now yeah, you no, go, no, "Oh, I won't do that again. I won't, do I that won't again. buy his second book because I got the first one." <laughs> And that's why you didn't read. Hey you Bart. caught me. This is uh, this is what this podcast is for. Yeah. I'm just got, I'm here to tell you that I did not buy your second book. <laughs> no, Third, um, actually. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but there, there. You've got some little short, short things on Amazon as well, uh, which I, I want to talk about because I want to ask sure. you if you've ever read any of your reviews uh, <laughs> on them because some of them are actually really fucking funny. I think uh, I've, I've seen some <laughs> of the reviews like some of them. Like I know you can tell when reviews are fake. 
Like, uh, I know I, I wrote a 99-cent blurb, and it's not a book. It's just it's 99 cents for the Kindle on Kindle on Scientology. Yeah, are you there? <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. And <laughs> what's funny is I don't shit on Scientology. I don't think. I don't remember. I wrote right. it, which means I don't. But I, I actually got in an argument on Facebook yesterday, uh, literally yesterday. Got in an argument with someone mm-hmm. who's like a big Christian. So you're going to be cut off of Facebook again. Probably. Um <laughs> No, I, I got I got an argument with this big Christian, and I said, look, I'm not trying to shit on you here, but you do understand that there's absolutely zero difference between Scientology and Christianity. Mm-hmm. It's just a belief system. Right. You think that Scientology's fake because we can absolutely trace the bullshit to L. Ron Hubbard. We know it's fake. Right. Christianity's pretty fake, too. It's just so old that you accept the bullshit. Right. And they wouldn't, they're like, no, but the Bible says this. And it's like, 140 okay, years after but all you have like is a circular argument because I believe right. this, it's true. Um, so this Scientology thing I wrote that's on Amazon, I just, I wrote a story about how before anybody knew what Scientology was, Mm -hmm. we're talking in the early 1990s, before it was even a thing, before anyone knew what it was, uh, several friends and I took the personality test and discovered Scientology. Get out, you, because oh, you were in L.A. at this time, right? I was or in Boston. You were in Boston. I was in Boston. So I was going to school in Boston. You got to do one of those fucking things? No, oh. we didn't do those. We took a written personality okay, test, not okay. an e-meter. E-meter. Um, <laughs> but one of my friends is a genius, certified genius. His name is Peter Zatko. Uh, you can look him up on oh, I know him. Wikipedia as Mudge. Um, as much, much. He testified before con- uh, Congress. Really? Um, you, you ever see Die Hard Four, uh, the shitty one? Live free or die hard. Yeah, the right. One they said, "Oh, you know, he could hack into the internet and bring it down." Was that the one minutes. with Justin Long? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Then I have <laughs> that. My buddy either said that or was in the room testifying before Congress when that was said. That was an actual line. It was like, "Give me a laptop. I will take the internet down in thirty minutes." He is a certified. I watched him hack mm-hmm. into NASA. Watched Get it happen. Get the fuck yeah. out of here. That's he, awesome. So I don't want to talk about these books anymore. I want to no, talk about that. Do I. No, I, mean, <laughs> I uh, um, a friend of mine said, hey, have you been in touch with Pete? And I'm like, I'm not in 10 years. Not so, and he's like, Google him. And so I did. And suddenly these pictures come up of him sitting next to Susan Rice, him sitting next to Bill Clinton. Because he was one of those people. It's a, it's a stereotype for movies, but it's real. He was actually, because I remember when I knew him, he had already had his computer confiscated by the CIA or FBI or someone that said, you, you can't have this computer. You're too dangerous. So finally what they did was they said, all right. You can have our computer. You know what you're doing. Uh, you know, so you can. He's he's a legitimate hacker, not like a disruptive. He's the guy that's like such a nerd that he's like so curious. I just got to get in there and see right, what's going right, on. Right. Like he doesn't have ill intent. But so they they approached him and said, "Go to jail or work for us." And so he decided to work. And so you have this guy I went to college <laughs> with, uh, you know, sitting next to Susan Rice and Bill Clinton and George Bush, and he was on uh, General. Can't think of his name. The guy that was—he was in charge of cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. He was that general's right-hand man, my friend. Um, so he, in this science, he's so smart that he took the Scientology test and said, "Oh, this is bullshit." And the guy said, "What do you mean?" He's like, "Well, look, you have two hundred questions, and here's your algorithm. So if I answer it in this way, it'll say this. If you answer it in this way, it'll say this." And they said, "That's not true." He goes, "Dude, let me take the test twice. I will get the highest score and the lowest score. Just what do you want me to do? I will play this thing like a guitar." And they kicked him out. They're like they said, you That's are out of here. Fucking great. Yeah. And so then uh, they told me that my profile fit that of a serial killer and that I needed Scientology to prevent me from going on murderous rampage. I see it. And I'm like I believe it. Yeah, that's kind of a hard sell. You might want to like start 
you know, greasing the palms a little more lightly than you're going to kill people if, with, if you don't join Scientology. Uh, and I can't remember what they this told my, my other friend. This is my favorite thing ever I've ever heard. So I just wrote this up. And, I, and never once do I believe. I, you, uh, prove me wrong. All six listeners, uh, go download the book for 99 cents, read it, and then prove me wrong. But I don't think anywhere did I say Scientology is stupid, it's the dumbest thing ever. No, I just said... I think it's kind of a scam, whatever, moving on with life. Well, Sarah Bach gave you two stars and says, meh, sounds bitter. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> exactly. And that's a bullshit review because that that's the one I was thinking of is I didn't know, like, there's nothing in there that suggests any bitterness. I did not write the book from an anti-Scientology standpoint. <laughs> there, there's no, and that's why you know that that's a Scientologist right. sent into, like, it's, or not sent in, but a Scientologist right. that actually saw it and said, ooh, I'm going to put this guy down because, you know, well, whatever. Laura Graham says this book, in quotations, is riddled with errors, in parentheses, no editor? Is <laughs> not funny. I guess that's why this guy is a comedian, when quotations, in Iowa and not in New York or L.A. or some other cultural center, in parentheses, and brings nothing new or interesting to the table. Save your dollar sign and time, comma, readers. Yeah. See, just another person that... <laughs> I, I'm sorry. At least I, make it believable. Right? If you're going to write a review, <laughs> make it believable because... So Lauren Graham and uh, Sarah Bach are Scientologists. I'm uh, going to go ahead and guess yes because they just didn't like what I wrote. And that's my favorite thing, this comedian. I'm sorry that I'm not on 100% of the time. I, I have an uh, off switch. I have different interests. And there are times when I'm not trying to be funny. Right. And I think that's pretty explicit <laughs> at certain points when I'm not trying to be funny. So. Oh, geez. Well, uh, that, okay, so that is one the best story I think I've ever heard about taking a personality test with Scientology. Um, do you watch that Leah Remini show? No, I don't have cable. I, we're, you don't? we're unhooked. We have, no, good uh, for you. Roku and... I we just got unhooked ourselves. And um, we just... Yeah, so it, we, we were watching that Leah Remini show. And my wife and I are just enthralled with it. It's just amazing. We're like, fuck, this is crazy. Because then they were tying Scientology into Jehovah's Witnesses as well. So it, it's really, yeah, really neat. sounds odd, but all right. Give it, yeah, because we were like, huh, how are they, how do you do this? And it, she, she was able to say that a lot of the practices, Scientology's branched off, and or Jehovah's Witness. They take some things from Jehovah's Witness. They take some things from Christianity, and everybody takes from everybody. Every, exactly. But one, it's really cool. Uh, so I would love to see Peter on Aftermath with Leo Remini <laughs> talking about the the Scientology yeah. test. I'm gonna do whatever I can on on Twitter and the Facebooks and whatever to make sure that fucking happens because that he's, is the, he's not on any of those. Uh, oh, damn he, it. He is one of these people that because he knows the fragility of right, the internet, right, right. he is not hooked up to the internet. Good for him. His house is internet free. He only goes on it uh, like, yeah. At work. Yeah. It, uh, That's it because he, he's like, this is so fragile. He's one of those, like, he's not a conspiracy mm -hmm. theorist, but he's right. actually behind the scenes and knows, like. That's crazy. Yeah. That's great. I, I just love for me. Yeah, no, you can get the highest score, you can get the lowest score, and Nathan Timmel's a serial killer. So, <laughs> if there's anything our listeners should know, is Nathan Timmel's a serial killer. And he's bitter. He's and he's very, bitter. Very, very bitter. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I, I want to end on a, a happy note, too. So, with the uh, with the books to your kids, you know, what what made you want to write those letters and, and those stories to them? 
Oh, see, now you're looking for answers again. I am, I am. You I have none. I, I'm in hotel rooms all the time. That's what made me write them, is mm-hmm. I, and this is judgmental of me, so I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> I've been a comedian a long time. And all of those I people know, that you were going to name, they're, they're all listeners. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I've been a comedian a long time, and I know a lot of comics that, you know, as, as of the point when I was writing those books, and still to this day, treat comedy like a vacation where, you know, like, oh, you know, the show's over, let's get drunk. And uh-huh. I, okay, this one I honestly can't remember his name. I can sort of picture him. I worked with him 15, 17 years ago, something like that, mm-hmm. and he was poised to become the next big thing. Dane Cook. No. no. Um, <laughs> he doesn't drink. <laughs> and uh, then he just went away. He, he was going to get like an HBO spot. He, he, he was poised to become the next big thing, and he just disappeared. And then I bumped into him again two, three years ago, mm-hmm. and I, I, I was sort of like, oh, my God, I forgot all about him. What happened to him? And all weekend, I mean, this is we're talking about a guy that's, you know, over 50 now maybe, mm-hmm. and it was, the show was over. It's like, hey, let's go to a bar. Let's, let's, uh, I wonder, if, you got any pot? You got any pot? And then he would sleep until 3 p.m. So he'd get drunk all night, sleep till 3 p.m. He's like, well, you know, I'm away from home. I'm in the hotel. And it's like, yeah, but that's every weekend, you know? Like, right. So what I did with my time and... I, I, okay, I'm in this hotel room. How can I be productive? Well, mm-hmm. I can't be productive from a hotel room, but I can write. So then I would just write. Well, what I don't, I'm not smart, so I can't make shit up. I don't have fiction in me, so right. I wrote nonfiction. What do I? What am I writing about? Well, let's talk to my kids. I'm away from home. Let's write to my kids. Hey, here I'm in this town. Mm-hmm, this is mm-hmm. what we did this week. So that's that's how that turned out. Is it was just a, an idea of being functional, where otherwise I'd just be sitting around a hotel room with a thumb up my ass mm-hmm. or sleeping off a hangover. Right. Um, <laughs> Well, I think it's really cool and and really sweet because there's going to come a time where your kids are going to read those. Well, you know, the and, the daughter probably will. The son, he's a guy. You know, Fuck that, dad. Gay. I'll you wait know, until like, the movie comes out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, good times. Uh, how are you feeling? I'm, feeling good. I'm, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, is there anything that you want to plug? Just uh, my website. Everything is there. The books that we've talked about, okay. me, video, uh, the, anything I write, yep. nathantimmel.com. Okay, I'll put a link in that. One-stop shopping for all things me. All right, I like it. It's, yeah. it's uh, the Amazon for Nathan Timmel. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Well, uh, I like to end every podcast with our guest, so you, uh, telling our listeners no. their, fam- okay, their famous last <laughs> words. So what what it, it could be funny it could be it could be anything you want but they're your famous last words because I'm going to murder you. All right. So <laughs> my famous last words are the text I just got from my wife while we were talking. Okay. Quotes from Truman. When I don't wear powerful sunglasses, the bright sun rays hurt my eyes. I think that airplane up there is in North America. So <laughs> On a walk with the dog, and he uh, he's he's, yeah, he's very sure. observant. He has uh, sunglasses on because it's very bright outside. When I don't wear sunglasses, the bright sun hurts my eye. There you go. That's that's my closing words. I love it. Thanks, Nate.